Yo, what up? It's your boy Elliot from Boston. It's the EFB podcast, and right now it's a monumental day for the podcast. We have a very influential person in Boston radio sitting with us right now, Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy, what up? Influential is a little strong, <laughs> but I will allow for it. Thank you, thank you very much, Elliot, for uh, for inviting and coming into the the underground dojo of Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> this is like the uh, the heart dungeon, right? <laughs> it's something like that. If people if people hear us screaming, somebody screaming, then you know there's an issue, but nobody will do anything about it. So, <laughs> if you don't know Jimmy, Jimmy is the producer for the Felgram Mass Show on yes. 98.5 The Sports Hub. As far as you know. As far as I know. <laughs> um, you know, tell 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 everybody a little bit about about Jimmy Stewart if they don't know you. A little bit about Jimmy Stewart. I am 35 years old. I've been in radio for a little more than 15 years. Uh, I did 10 years at EEI. I've mm-hmm. done the last five here at the Sports Hub. Uh, and I am I am a major wrestling fan since WrestleMania three. Wow. Uh, we can get into that later if that's yeah, of interest yeah. to anybody else. Uh, growing up, I always wanted to be the manager of the Boston Red Sox. Okay. Because at an early age, I was told I wasn't very good at baseball. Okay. So I was the kid who kept the scorebook and, you know, really kind of looked deeper into statistics and yep. feel for all that stuff. So uh, I had two at bats as a high school baseball player. <laughs> uh, I sat on the end of a basketball bench in high school. Oh man. Uh, I spent two weeks with the with the wrestling team. Okay. Uh, until the coach quit and then the rest of the team quit okay uh i went to college locally uh i'm not at liberty to to, to disclose where that college okay. is because it may or may not still exist oh. <laughs> uh i got an internship at ei at the age of 19 nice worked the morning show there worked the pm drive show there spun it off into a part-time job opportunity uh between doing red sox games and bc Football, basketball, hockey games, worked the nighttime shift with Ted Sarandis. That turned into a full-time position where I was the utility guy, which turned into a spot producing Dale and Newmy, then Dale and Holly. Yep. Uh, and then uh, I was about to get out of the business. Uh, they promoted Holly. Uh, and I had some other things that I wanted to do with my life. Mm-hmm. And then this place, and then CBS called, asked if I'd be interested in it. Uh, thought I would give it a crack, and here we are, five years later, and I'm producing uh, the number one <laughs> drive time show uh, in Boston. Nice. I mean, I remember my my first uh, my first introduction to Jimmy Stewart was Holly referring to Big Game James. Yep. You know, and and, uh, and that was my first intro, and then um, you know, once CBS came in and 98.5 The Sports Hub came over. Um, you know, social media at that point was popping off a little bit more, and and you know I started following you on Twitter then, and um, you you've 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 created a little bit of a following. You, you, I think it's because of the wrestling thing. <laughs> I think people like me because of the wrestling thing. Because like I look at my Twitter numbers, yeah, and eighty four percent of them are actually real. Okay, and I feel like that that's a high volume of that is because of the wrestling stuff. Okay. And I feel like the rest of it is um, Sports Hub related. Yep. Or at least that's kind of my belief. Yeah. Um, but one doesn't happen without the other. And, you know, it's it's your participation on the Felgram Matter Show is kind of unique because I don't really, I can't tell you who produces any other show 
on any other station. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know, um, you know, on EEI, they, they, you know, would go back and forth with Chris Curtis and, and make fun of them and stuff in the morning. Um, but really, you know, it's it's rare to to hear and want input from the producer, which which you frequently do on the Felger Match Show. Is that something new to you? Is that something that, that you look forward to or that just kind of, just kind of turned into something so i learned the most about producing a show from andy and chach who both worked at ei yeah uh there are others but as far as being like uh an active participant in the show Mm -hmm. i kind of i'm an only child okay so i have this complex where i'm what matters (laughs) my opinion matters and i don't care who you are it's helped me and it's hurt me in this business yeah so I kind of crafted my producing after both Chach and Andy. Okay. And they were both active participants. And ironically enough, you, it's not ironic, bad choice of words. So there's a way that you can produce by using sound and using your own voice. Yep. When I was at EEI, I did a lot of, I tried to combo it as much as possible. Since I've been here... Um, I think because I watch a lot of stuff and I'm well read on a lot of things that like Felger Felger admits that he's not big on the NBA. Yeah. Uh, it's it's and it's obvious when he's trying to pronounce names. Right. So <laughs> I I wouldn't say that I am an expert on the NBA, yeah. but I know enough about the players and if not I'll do research. I'll do a quick phone call to somebody whose opinion that I trust and yeah. I'll ask them about it and then that that's kind of how this this business kind of works is that if you're not sure of something you call somebody who you think isn't sure you have a conversation with them then you have a conversation with somebody else then you have a conversation and now with uh youtube you can do your own video research major networking but that's that's kind of how we or at least me that's how i formulate an opinion okay uh so to get to your point to get to actually answer your question about being a vocal member of the show is that i think felger is comfortable enough to when he's not sure about something defer yeah maz is okay with deferring yeah and i don't think that that's that's necessarily the case everywhere else yeah because i feel like especially on on the afternoon show um which i listen to every day by the way it's okay if you don't but i appreciate (laughs) that um you know, it seems like, you know, Felger's got football, hockey expertise on, baseball too. But Maz is obviously his background covering the team, his expertise is baseball. But it seems like together you you all collaborate on every sport, which, like you said, if Felger doesn't know how to pronounce Giannis Antetokounmpo. We let him go with that, and then we make fun of him later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, so um, it's good because – so I think one thing, one thing to your point, Elliot, is where we're not supposed to be, we can try to be experts on everything, mm-hmm. but we're just not. Yeah. There's, there's, there's too much going on. Yeah. So if we know a little bit about everything mm-hmm. and then try to fill in the blanks the rest of the way to make it so that we, we know a lot about a lot of things. And, and, and one thing I like about the show is that you embrace the callers that know more than you. Right. You know what I mean? So yep. so it, it's not, you don't try to spin the caller's point into your own. You actually embrace that point and, and, and feed off it and continue to, like, you know, hockey, for example, Mike from Woburn, 
you know, knows probably more than anyone in this room. Uh, so, you know, he's almost become a part of the show and his, you know, you can tell because you might have a caller who's given a, a, a you know, 10 seconds. You might have him who's given 90, but for the most part, it's a quality call, you know, so. So um, we have minimal requirements for callers. It's have a good, clean landline yep. and then have a take. That is all we ask. No pleasantries. <laughs> Which we need to get back on. But, I, I mean, it's a simple formula. And, yeah. and the reason why you know, some people are like, oh, your phone snobs. Well, the idea is that the listener can hear you clearly. Yeah. And kind of how our rating system works is based on clarity. Okay. So, like, the microphones that we use are clear. Uh, so the caller itself, if it's not a clear call, it won't. It won't register with our rating system. Okay. I mean, that's a little bit too much fourth wall radio stuff, but that's that's all stuff that we consider and we take into account. But, I mean, also, if if you've got a show... And the listener, too. Like, yeah. It is so easy nowadays to be in your car and just push a button. Yeah, yeah. And there's no... Like, the old rating system was journals. Yeah, yeah. So the rating system now actually picks up what you're listening to and for how long, and there's okay. all this advanced metrics that... Nice will bore whoever's listening to this. <laughs> so I don't want to do that. But there's a there's a whole deeper psychology as to why we do certain things. Okay. Um, you said that you've been a fan of wrestling since WrestleMania 3. My parents were wrestling fans. Okay. They used to go on dates to the, the old Boston Gardens. Nice. And Bruno San Martino and, and that group. And uh, my late aunt was also a huge wrestling fan as well. Uh, and... My grandmother, who is also no longer with us, can date back to watching wrestling on the old Dumont network. Wow. So it's kind of there. Yeah. So my parents couldn't find a babysitter. They used to do WrestleManias and big events on closed circuit television. Okay. So they couldn't find a babysitter for me for going to the Walter Brown Arena and seeing WrestleMania 3 on closed circuit. Okay. Thus, I became a member of the 93,173 people. Wow. Uh, at least that's that's how they... So the, as the story was told to me, it was 78 and change, and they included closed-circuit numbers. Okay. Um, I think looking back on it, that might even be wrong, is that they included people in the like the the vending machine guy yeah, yeah, or yeah. You know, the security guy. I think that was included in there as well. But I, I consider myself part of that because I was at the closed-circuit event but they couldn't find a babysitter they brought me along i watched it i was i was blown away by it uh the hulk and andre thing steamboat and savage uh i i always liked the heart foundation because okay. they kind of stuck out color scheme wise yeah, yeah, to me yeah. uh and and a lot of the other elements that went into that broadcast but i thought it was phenomenal production uh i i would looking back on it i thought that way secondarily even though i didn't realize that what i was and then it just kind of spun from there, and wrestling became a thing. And, I'm and like, I just have, I haven't shuck it. It's been almost, let's say, six, seven years old I was, and I'm 35 now. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's a pretty good no, big chunk of your life. Pretty good run. And my dad first introduced me to wrestling, um, you know, telling me about Jimmy Snuka flying off yep. the top of the cage. Um, and then, you know, I became a fan uh, watching Hulk Hogan and Macho Man feud over Miss Elizabeth. You know what I mean? And... The mega powers explode at WrestleMania five. Yeah, yep. yeah, and and you know, on and off until uh, not the Attitude Era, 
but right before it, you know. So um, at that point, uh, WCW was 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 the they were the king. They were the they were the, the must watch television. They were the show. premier organization. Me, um, I never took the WCW for some reason. I didn't like the sound of of people falling on the mat. I didn't like their entrance musics. Um, so I always stuck to WWE. Um, the people in Connecticut, thank you for that. <laughs> um, but so you became a wrestling fan, uh, you know, WrestleMania three, pretty prominent till then. Um, but w- what happened after that was uh, there was a video rental place that was within walking distance of where I lived. Okay. And I would go in there, and I was so interested in the history of the business, it, or in the history of like WWF programming at the yeah, time. Yeah. So I'd be like oh, that's a Hulk Hogan, Rowdy Piper thing. Mm-hmm. And it was the wrestling classic. Yeah. So I'd watch it and I'd be like, wow, they did a one-night tournament? Like, that's great. Yeah. And, and I, would just, I would just get videos and I'd watch them. And, I'd, you know, and then uh, they, they had a show at the Garden. Okay. And I was like, we have to, like, you know, the kid, like, can we go to the show? Can we go to the show? Yeah. And eventually I got to one. Um, my, my late aunt had a friend at the Garden who got us really good seats uh by the aisle nice and if you remember how the old garden is it it was a center ramp yeah and they'd have the the floor seats and then it would kind of elevate a little bit so we had like seats and the numbers are wrong so i apologize for that but it's it's like 14 13 12 11 and yes i thankful i can count backwards so we had that four pack and I was seat 14. I was right on the aisle. Okay. And I was so, but I wasn't, I'm six, four now. I wasn't that tall at the time. And you know, the, the, I'm the kid who reaches their arm out and hopes that a wrestler like touches my hand yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, I'm never washing this hand again. So the first wrestler who ever touched my hand was a bushwhacker. <laughs> And yes, it reeked of sardines. Oh, man. And yes, I strongly considered not washing my hand. <laughs> a bushwhacker. I was over here licking the other one's head and stuff. <laughs> so but one of the, one of the cool things uh, was the second show that I ever went to at the Garden was Hulk Hogan defending the title after he had won it against Sergeant Slaughter. Nice, nice. I, I, my first show was uh, the, the last event at the old Boston Garden. Uh, you know, with, with Diesel and I think Papa Shango was yep. there. Um, but okay. yeah, I remember that night. Uh, what I what I remember about that show is uh, Eddie Endelman yep. did his radio show. This is drive time radio, and he's got all the wrestlers coming over to him doing interviews and nice. things of that nature. And it is four hours. I actually still have the cassette tape of it. Wow! Because I was home. I may have played hooky from school. I might have been that day. <laughs> but I was home, and I recorded it because I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. And uh, one, of my, one of my great memories, and now that I've gotten to know him a little bit, yep. I kind of understand where he came from and why it happened. Okay. So Eddie had Bob Backlund on. Nice. And he introduces him, and Bob Backlund is sort of in character, but... I could I could see where it was real, but I could also see where it was kind of like playful and fun. So he does the whole thing about Bob Backlund, and he goes, "Well, that's Mister Backlund, sir." <laughs> and Eddie goes, "Well, I never really liked you as champion." Blah 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 blah. So you're Bob Backlund to me. <laughs> and Bob says, "Well, I'll call it quits then." And you hear him pick up the 
pick up the headphones, put them down, and walk off. Oh, wow. And then Eddie goes on this whole rant about, like, yeah, I never really liked Tim. You were a weak champion, this, that, and the other thing. And it was, it was very entertaining. But I, I could see where it was real, but I could also see it was, it was gray area. Yeah. It was gray area because uh, at, um, at a Winer, Winer Line event yep. years ago at um, Patriot Place, uh, Bob Acklin was the guest of Jim the Wrestling Goo. Oh, nice. And I spent the whole night, like, talking to Bob. And uh, he put me in the chicken wing, which I think my shoulder is still recovering from. <laughs> but I still have a number from for uh, for Bob. And uh, I've talked to him once or twice since then. Nice. Uh, his book is outstanding. Nice. Uh, just a good, like, guy and a really, like, before he left, he said, he said, watch this. And he goes up and he does this whole thing about, like, Bob Acklin's leaving the building. And, <laughs> you know, all you guys are drunks. I don't think he used that term. But yeah, he, yeah, 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 he yeah. kind of, like, in a fun way, kind of, like, put down the crowd. And they booed him. And he, nice. he went home and called it a night. Nice, nice. Um, I want to say I got hooked uh, when uh, Steve Austin won the King of the Ring. I was... Uh, I was intrigued by his by his character because prior to that, um, you know, he was uh, you know the blonde haired you know uh, Ted DiBiase's protege, and then all of a sudden it got scrapped, shaved his head. Uh, I remember Jim Ross referencing his eyes, saying, "Look at his eyes, how stone cold they are. They're stone cold." And then he wins the King of the Ring. He does the um, you know Jake Roberts reading his John three sixteen. Well, Austin 316 said, I just whipped your ass. And ever since then, I was hooked. Became my favorite wrestler. Um, I started getting into the whole Monday Night Wars thing. I clearly chose uh, WWF at the time. And now, then to watch WCW slowly go down as WWF climbed up was fascinating to me. From that point till now, where do you see the state of the WWE right now? So it's obviously good. Yeah. It's obviously they're making money, they're doing good business, and they're still they're doing more charity work and they're a publicly traded company and it it's different. Mm -hmm. I think in in Vince McMahon's perfect mind, he thinks that the real money is how he drew in the eighties. Okay. This one big superhero like star is is the cash cow. And everything else can kind of fill in around it. Okay. So in the 80s, it was a much slower build. And then, boom, Attitude Era, ECW, mm -hmm. WCW Monday Nitro. All that stuff comes, and he has to adjust yep. to not only stay in business, but get back his claim to the recognized leader in sports entertainment. And so he, he's a smart businessman. He adjusts. He goes with it. He trusts the wrestler's judgment of what's good and what's bad. And now that he really doesn't, he's competing against himself. I mean, he's competing against Monday Night Football and other sports. No. But realistically, like, when you have a wrestling challenge in front, no pun intended there, when you have a challenger to the king of wrestling, sports entertainment, it makes you kind of think differently. And you have to kind of, you have to really go outside the box or you have to trust different people if what your ideas are aren't mm -hmm. working. So I think... We're back to what the Vince McMahon template for for pro wrestling and sports entertainment is. And it's still making money. They just put a hundred thousand people in one stadium. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. 
for all the people who think that offense doesn't know what he's doing. He's lost his fastball. Well, if he's lost his fastball so much, why are they still selling out buildings? Yeah. Why are they putting 101,000 people into one building? And, and so, like, say they embellish the number by 2,000 people. That's still 90,000 people yeah. in one place to watch professional wrestling for yeah. nine hours. Yeah. I think it was a nine-hour show. Yeah. That's still a good thing. They're still making money hand over fist. Mm-hmm. Like, they did, a, they did an event last weekend at TD Garden. And for the VIP thing, they charge six hundred bucks per ticket. Yeah. Everything else is, you know, lower. But for, for a big show here at the garden, they'll charge a thousand dollars for a front row seat. Yeah. They'll charge a hundred and fifteen, hundred and twenty for a low seat. And people pay and, it. And they'll sell out. Yeah. They'll sell out. So for everybody who thinks, oh, well, Vince isn't doing anything, Vince is out of touch. Well, apparently he's in touch with something. Yeah. Because he's still making good money. And I think what they did was they realized that I think people hate watch raw. Mm. I think people are just they're 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 watching and they're just waiting to pounce on something. I know as as an older person, like I I'm all for I don't have time to hate watch things. Mm-hmm. I enjoy wrestling, yeah. I, but I enjoy good wrestling. Yeah, and that's where the subjectivity comes in. I think NXT right now is the best product that they have. Okay, and the reason I think that is because it's one hour a week. Mm-hmm. The crowd is. In on the joke. Yeah. I, I shouldn't say it. Like, that's kind of disrespectful to the, say. The, but They're part of the program. They're part of it. Yeah. So, like, a wrestler can go in the ring and wink at the crowd, and the crowd will just erupt. Yeah. And the, and the fans are kind of winking back at them. Yeah. So, NXT is your best show. And they sold out the Barclays Center for the second year in a row, doing an hour a week on the network. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. But SummerSlam still sells out. Raw still sells up. Sells out. The Raw after WrestleMania is must watch TV. Yep. It's must be there type of style. So what they've done is they have they have Raw style of wrestling, they have SmackDown style of wrestling, and they have NXT style of wrestling. Yeah. And some of it's good, some of it's bad. Everybody seems to love the show that isn't being overexposed. Yep. And they're very smart in doing that. It's a stronger style. It's a more hardcore audience style. But they're still looking for the person on their couch who's clicking through and goes, oh, that's interesting. And then you have them for five or ten minutes, and then they're gone. Or they come back. I know that they lost the WCW audience. Yeah. And it was a steady decline from it because there are people who grew up in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s who had Georgia Championship Wrestling. And all this stuff is generational. Yeah. It's why soccer still hasn't hit it big mainstream. It's why lacrosse is kind of still, once you get past a generation or two, then it catches on. Okay. My opinion. That's why the WWE, other than that hiccup when WCW finally caught fire, mm-hmm. has been the recognized leader in sports entertainment. <laughs> but, but WCW also had that history behind it, too. So yeah. that's why when they did what they did, they had such a strong run of it. And... I think one of the major differences as to why Vince is still standing and they aren't yeah. is because of how Vince ran his company. And it's Vince McMahon's money. Yeah. When Eric Bischoff or Harvey Schiller or whoever, Bill Watts, they were running WCW, it wasn't their money. Yeah. It was somebody else's money. Yeah. And I think when, when you're the owner of something and you have your hands in everything, 
you're going to be a little bit more about like delivering yep. as opposed to eh, Nash is hurt. He can take a week off. Hall's hurt. He can, we just signed Brett Hart to this contract, but yep. you know, he's hurt. We won't worry about it. We'll just throw money at something else. I I look at the state of the WWE now and I say... That's really too long-winded an answer. <laughs> I, I think from a wrestler standpoint, athletically, I think this is the peak of where WWE's been in a long time. When you have the sort of athletes that are now performing. I don't think you have as strong characters as you did um, as far as combination of both in-ring and mic abilities as you did in in the Attitude Era, so to speak, where someone like Shawn Michaels, uh, Steve Austin, The Rock, you know, were able to captivate an audience with their mic capabilities. But I also don't think back then you had the athletes like like a Seth Rollins, like a Cesaro, like a Roman Reigns. Um, See, I think the athletic thing is is very well stated, and I think it's certainly... uh, it's germane to the conversation, but I think what the difference is between what era we're in right now and what was, was they had a handful of people in the Attitude Era saying, hey, this is what we should do. Yep. Now everything is, you have to remember this line, this is what you have to remember. And, and a case in point is Roman Reigns. Yep. Roman Reigns did a panel discussion. Uh, it was either last year or two SummerSlams ago, in and around SummerSlam. And, like, you could tell he's got something there in that. The same with Cesaro. Mm. Like, the way that they interacted in, with Sheamus and, and that whole grouping. Like, you can tell that there's a dynamic there. Yeah. Instead, what's happening is Roman Reigns has to memorize lines. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. This is what I think is happening. Yeah. I shouldn't say I know because I'm not, I'm not part of that process. But I think what's happening is you're having wrestlers who have to memorize lines and they get lost in segments and it just it looks bad it's not it's, natural if you look at the finn balor entrance for example yeah. like i'm watching him and he is worried about every single movement that he does when he's coming down the ramp yeah there's a war like mick foley i think said this recently on um on the steve austin podcast there's a moment where he didn't even remember what city he was to get the cheap pop in yeah because he's too worried about forgetting something else. Yeah. So he forgot the basic thing. Yeah. And I think if you just let wrestlers be more natural and like, this is who we are, we're turning up the volume for the sake of entertainment, this is where we go. Like, believability in wrestlers. So we believe Kevin Owens is who Kevin Owens is. Yeah. We believe Dean and Ambrose is off his rocker. Yeah. We believe Seth Rollins is who he is. Yep. We don't believe in Roman Reigns, or at least me as as a male who's you know not really the demographic that they're going for nowadays. I don't. I I see parts of Roman Reigns that are really good, mm-hmm. but at some point you have to bleep or get off the pot. Yeah. And like this is they've tried now for two years, and if so, if they had been innovative, because everybody hated hated Batista just walking in. Yeah. If Roman, if they had called an audible at that moment and had Roman Reigns throw out Batista, and he goes on to win that WrestleMania, fans are happy. Yeah. But Batista won that year. They changed it to Daniel Bryan, which was the right call, but it took it took a lot of elements around that to have yep. that work out. And people saw him come back from his injury, 
and they're like, oh, this is the guy. He doesn't look ready. He's not who we want. And they get into a situation with Brock Lesnar, and they panicked. Oh. And that's that's the real reason I think why Seth Rollins walked out of the San Francisco WrestleMania as champion because they had a panic moment and they're like, well, he's not ready to beat Brock Lesnar, so we have to go to Plan B. And Seth was the MVP since Seth Rollins won that Money in the Bank in Boston, he was the MVP up until he got hurt. I'm glad you brought that up because Roman Reigns obviously would know a suspended. I personally like Roman Reigns. I do too. I I think, you know, he's gotten better in the ring. Yeah. But I think the WWE is doing wrong by not making him a heel, given he has so many heel-like strong capabilities. His walk is heel. His mean mug is heel. His strut is heel. His FCW work as a bad guy was excellent. Yeah. He... Roman Reigns, I don't think there's any way they can't turn him heel now, given the popularity of Dean Ambrose, given the popularity of Seth Rollins. They want Seth Rollins to be the the top heel in the company, yet he gets one of the biggest pops when he comes out. Seth Rollins winning that WrestleMania in San Francisco was one of those moments a great moment that was completely out of left field. I'm seeing Roman Reigns making a little comeback. I'm thinking, man, they're going to force feed this win over Brock Lesnar, and it's not going to be clean. Next thing you know, Roman Reigns, I mean, uh, Seth Rollins' music pops. He runs out to the ring, and now I'm thinking, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, And that's those moments that you love about wrestling when you when something comes out of left field and you have absolutely no idea that I think that's happening. how we felt about Dean Ambrose at this re- most recent Money in the Bank. And you know what's funny is that the Dean Ambrose Money in the Bank win, I saw it coming because of how much hype they were given the shield from the previous month. You know what I mean? Um, I personally wanted Kevin Owens to win Money in the Bank. Yeah, I, I love Kevin Owens. Um, he's, he's awesome. But he doesn't need it. No. He doesn't need a championship belt to be one of the most relevant superstars in the WWE. But I'll, give you a funny, I'll give you a funny little stat on Kevin Owens. I've seen him wrestle in person four times. Yep. His record's 0-4. <laughs> He's lost the Intercontinental Championship twice. Dean Once Ambrose almost jumped in your lap. That, yep. That. <laughs> yep. Kevin, Kevin Owens lost the Intercontinental Championship in Boston at TLC, and yep. then he lost it in Dallas at WrestleMania. Wow. And I, I, I'm sorry, Kevin. My apologies. <laughs> I'm still a fan of yours. I just, I will, if you're on the card, I won't show up. <laughs> where, do you, where do you see WWE going, going with Roman Reigns? Because they obviously, this past Monday on Raw, they, they uh, made light of the suspension. Um, they still have him in the main event at Battleground. Do you see a heel turn, or do you still see them trying to force-feed him as the top face in the company? So my instincts tell me that he's getting the championship right back at Battleground. Mm. That's what my instincts tell me. I think that as far as the, the bad guy turn, the heel turn, I don't see it, and here's, here's why. Like He's got all these qualities that we all talk about and we think would be great. He kind of already is a heel. Mm. But they can't say that he's a bad guy, even though the crowd is telling them he's a bad guy. Mm -hmm. Because Roman Reigns is the guy who goes to 
the corporate sponsorships, the yeah. corporate meetings. He does Make-A-Wishes, all those things that are aimed towards kids, yeah. which is what Vince and Stephanie and Triple H have all said that they're, they're a show that makes people happy. You can't send Seamus to those things. You know what I mean? Well, uh, Seamus is actually a safe. That I think people people don't think about shame. They think of Seamus and they're like, "Ugh, Seamus." Seamus is a safe champion. Mm. He's got no. He's got no marks against him. He's a guy with size. He's got looks. People legitimately don't remember the old term X Pac heat. Yeah, he's a guy that people legitimately don't want to see. As the champion, and case in point, so this has happened. This has happened twice now in Boston. So there's the Money in the Bank where Cena won, mm-hmm. and it was about to be Kane holding the ladder for Randy Orton, and the fans just groaned. Yeah. And what the WWE I think did there was they gave you okay, you don't want Cena being the champion. We're gonna tease that Roman Reigns is gonna be the champion, and then we'll see how your reaction is. Yeah. They groaned at Orton climbing the ladder. Cena came in, popped them both, won the championship. Crowd goes nuts. Yep. With with Sheamus as he's climbing the ladder, the fans are groaning. Yep. He gets the championship, and then Roman loses his mind. Mm. And as he's leaving the building, I I said I was sitting there with uh, Jerry Kravis of Barstool. I said, they got him. Yep. They got him over. Yeah. They got him over in a losing effort. Yep. And then the next night in Philadelphia, he goes out, and the Philly crowd was behind him. Yeah. Because they didn't want Sheamus as the champion. Yeah. He won that night, won the championship, and I thought, okay, here we go. That, the, the run for 500. That Philly crowd, the same one that booed him out of the building with the rock in the ring, yep. which I thought was... If you're getting booed out of the building with the rock holding your hand up, you're really not liked. And that caught the rock off guard based on his facial You, you saw his face. Yep. He was like, uh, hello, I'm holding his hand up. You yep. know what I mean? And, and uh, I remember that specifically looking at his face like he didn't, he didn't anticipate this. Yep. He did, he did not. He thought it was going to be a slam dunk, and you, you, you could just tell. But after, after he beat Sheamus in Philadelphia, I said, okay, here we go. Yep. This, is, this is the guy now. They've made that, they've made that clear. And then Triple H comes back and because they wanted that WrestleMania moment. No. They wanted him winning it in front of 100,000 people. And what, what, they, what I don't think that – I think what gets lost in this generation of instant gratification is look at The Undertaker. No. The Undertaker was whatever and oh. No. He loses to Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. And the crowd is silent. I, I've never seen that. People, people who've watched wrestling a lot longer than I said that that was when Bruno lost the title yeah. for the first time. It was that quiet because people were, were shocked. Yeah. I was sitting in my friend's living room, shocked, wow. absolutely blown away. There's still that classic picture of the guy, the white shirt. Yep. Eyes bugging out of his head. No idea what's going on. But that's because whether it was intentional or whether it was accidental, he got to a number that people bought into and mm-hmm. believed in. And similar to CM Punk when he had his 434-day championship reign yep. and Brie Bella with her 300-plus-day reign, yep. is that when you invest time into something and it gets over, when it happens, 
and there's a loss involved. Look at the U.S. Open Challenge. Yep. So they build this thing. They build this thing. Cena, Cena's career is revitalized. Mm -hmm. There are people who are like, yeah, they're doing the sing-along with John Cena's song, but they're invested, and Cena's working with new guys and getting people over despite him winning. Yeah. And then Seth Rollins beats him. And you're like, yeah, Seth Rollins is the champion, so logically it makes sense, but are you going to waste that on that? And then Cena gets the, the U.S. title back. And then it's Alberto Del Rio beats him. Yep. And for whatever reason, it's a flat match, and they never really capitalize on Del Rio beating him. Yeah. And it goes to a a bigger point as to, well, if they actually invested in Del Rio and looked at his true background as an MMA guy, he should be a main event guy against Brock Lesnar. Yeah. But for whatever reason, they just they they've chosen not to do that. Yeah. And getting back to Roman and the shield and all of that, if they didn't have the corporate sponsorship, if they weren't a publicly traded company, I think you would see Roman. If this was 1980s NWA wrestling, mm -hmm. Roman would be a bad guy would that, be a full out, like run in, screw up the good guy, finish all that stuff. I think that would happen. And to your point about the suspension and the fact that they acknowledged it, maybe that does happen now, yeah. where he beats Ambrose at Battleground, wins the championship, and then it's full bore to the crowd, like, I'm a bad guy now, you get what you want, nobody supported me. Yeah. Like, they can logically tie it in, but then they have to find a new face for the company. Yeah. I, I and here's the irony of all of this, is that Seth Rollins has um, nude pics of him <laughs> online. <laughs> Roman Reigns gets suspended for a wellness violation. Dean Ambrose, who's the crazy one, uh, is the safest champion that they have right now. Yeah. Uh, Think of that for a minute. I know. Ideally, I always thought that Roman's best look would be to align himself with Triple H. Almost, almost the way The Rock aligned himself with Vince you know, during that corporation era. Um, but now you have this position where we, we all knew this was going to come eventually where the, the Shield is fighting for the title. Dean Ambrose is currently the champion. What, what do you think of the pros and cons of Dean Ambrose as a champion? Because me personally, I thought Dean Ambrose should have been the champion while Seth was out. Um, now that Seth is back... It's almost like I wish this would have happened six months ago, so that way when Seth comes comes back, you're, you know, you're you don't have to now waste three months, because that's what I feel like eventually is going to be either Seth or Roman with the belt. Um, where do you see this angle going with the the Shield and the Triple Threat and all that? So I think that because of the network and you need to sell network subscriptions, the the idea of throwaway. Excuse me. The idea of throwaway events is there's no throwaway event. That's why you saw Brock Lesnar against The Undertaker, Hell in a Cell in October. Yeah. Because everything has to be important. So what I see happening is either Roman beats Dean and goes all out bad guy. Rollins beats Dean, gets his championship back that he never lost. Yeah. And now Roman has to chase Seth Rollins. And the story is, 
well, you've never beat me, Roman Reigns. No. And he's going to dodge, and you know Seth Rollins is going to be the best bad guy in the business. And you're going to go wherever that story is. And if that's to, you know, Roman's a better chaser than he is a champion, and he's, he's more Tommy Dreamer than he is Hulk Hogan. No. But I, 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 I don't know really if that – see, I don't know what the best direction is. It, it's whatever your goal is. No. Uh, the internet fan is clamoring for Seth Rollins, and especially after that thing that they did on that video, that program yeah. that they did on WWE Network. Like, how can you not be a fan of Seth Rollins at yeah. this point? But they're an entertainment company. See, this is this is sports entertainment versus pro wrestling. Yeah, pro wrestling, you'd have Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express getting you know tar and feathering somebody in New Orleans, yep. where it's not okay, and especially at those times and they'd have to fend off people with a tennis racket to get out of the building. Yeah. As opposed to now, it's like, well, we get that we're supposed to boo somebody, but we really don't want to boo somebody because no. you just told us that this is the ultimate good guy comeback. Mm -hmm. So the, there's logic holes. Or the, the great photo from a few years ago where uh, somebody's getting beat up in the ring and Triple H and Stephanie are at ringside and Triple H turns around and says, hey, it's just a show, don't worry about it, and then brings the kid to the back and shows him that everything's okay because they're about putting smiles on people's faces. Yeah. Uh, so the direction that I would go, I'd let Dean run with the title for a little bit and see how that goes. Yeah. I don't think that you're a critical mass where you have to have this, this, or this. Yeah. You're about to create a brand split, and the fact that the fans... Well, Dean, Dean isn't their prototypical size champion or whatever that they see as a WWE champion as. Let Dean run with it. Let him sell some merchandise. Give him some time on top. Have him and Seth Rollins have another feud. And then reevaluate where you want to go with the championship, whether that's Kevin Owens, whether that's Seth Rollins longer term, whether that's Roman longer term. Evaluate that. Uh, but I think they should give Dean a chance with the championship, especially since they're going to be doing the brand split coming up soon. And that gets into the whole thing of, like, who's the real champion? Is it AJ Styles? Is it John Cena? Is it Bray Wyatt? Is it, like, what is... You, you can do more with the brand split and still have a good, strong undercard and have different champions and try things out a little bit, I think. I got to say, I've... I underestimated how good AJ Styles is. AJ Styles is the real deal. And since he's arrived here, this guy has put on a show. Great chemistry with Jericho. And and I got to say I I I love Chris Jericho right now. I absolutely love what he's doing. You know, the whole stupid idiot thing, you know, gift of Jericho. The guy's one of the best performers you know, that this business has seen. AJ Styles, you know, has come in and, and taken the WWE by storm. And with this brand split, I personally would love to see him get elevated even more. Now, I think you're going to get your wish. It's, it's funny you say that because, you know, in listening to, you know, other podcasts, um, you know, people say that Vince might be hesitant because they still look at AJ as the, the TNA guy. Do you see that as accurate, or, or do, do you see him eventually now with the brand split, now with more championship, heavyweight championship opportunities, that he's going to get the shot to be 
the face of one of the shows. Bill, Billy Lanny, who co-produces with me on Felger and Maz, said that when they signed, when WWE signed AJ Styles, that AJ should be the Intercontinental Champion within six months. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be the World Champion within eight months. Wow. And what I mean by that is I think that they are going to have him and Cena battle for the SmackDown Championship. Okay. Maybe with the Roman suspension, that's changed. But I think you're going to see AJ Styles as a world champion in WWE, whether it be Raw or SmackDown. So backing up a little bit, I first saw AJ Styles live in person at an armory in Cambridge, Massachusetts, wrestling for Ring of Honor. Wow. He was phenomenal. (laughs) Uh, but he was he was young, but you could see that there was something there. And whether he was going to be a great cruiserweight or whether he's going to be what he's turned into now, nobody knew. Yeah. Nobody knew. An injury could just take that away, or getting into a fight with the wrong book or whatever. Like yeah. you you could you couldn't project from 2001, 2002, 2003 to now. Yeah. You you can you couldn't do that. But what I what I did see was I saw him go to TNA work the X Division and put on some great matches. Saw him work with Kurt Angle. Saw him work with everybody. And then TNA took him for granted. Mm. And he said, you know what? I'm going to go bet on myself. He went to New Japan. His first match in in New Japan, they put the IWGP Championship on him. And from watching his matches with that crowd, with that audience, he was great. And eventually... And I think this was more because TNA wanted him back. And I think from those that I talked to, the Bullet Club was going to TNA. Mm. And WWE came in at the 11th hour and said, no, 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 don't, don't sign with, don't sign with them. Here's our, here's our offer. And AJ looked at it and AJ's like, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to do WWE. And I think people, if, if you watch like little details of how they produce things, when AJ did his entrance, they focused on Roman Reigns. Yeah. And his reaction to it. Yeah. They didn't focus on AJ. No. Nope. AJ was kind of part of the Royal Rumble and he got a great reaction because it's Orlando and the fan base knows him. And, and really, I think more so than anything else, we're down to the hardcores. Yeah. And he did that, and then he did the match with Jericho, which was a little, like, it wasn't AJ's best match. Yeah. But what happened from there was AJ had better matches. He was selling merchandise. Yeah. So his first week of the merchandise being out there, sold out. Wow. Sold out. So that's a number that WWE looks at, was what are you doing for merchandise? How are you as far as the TV numbers go? How are you with live events? Things like that. So he does the program with Jericho. And people are upset because Jericho won at WrestleMania. Yeah. Leaving out the fact that Jericho has been with this company for how many years? And the last, I believe the last WrestleMania he was in, he lost to Fandango. Mm -hmm. Or I, I might be wrong on that. But there was a WrestleMania he lost to Fandango. Okay. And I think him beating Jericho on that stage was, or with him being AJ on that stage was more of a thank you for losing to Fandango. Yeah, or, you know, it's something, yeah, yeah, it, was, yeah, yeah. it was more of an appreciation thing. Yeah. Uh, AJ did Steve Austin's podcast and said uh, he knew he was going down to Jericho, but he knew what was going on the next night on Raw. Yeah. 
So what is what is the bigger story? Jericho beating AJ at WrestleMania or AJ winning and becoming the number one contender? Yeah. You could debate that. Yeah. But what, what also happened was when he got into that program with Roman Reigns, the intensity, the realistic style of AJ came into play, and he gave Roman Reigns two of his three best matches in his WWE career, mm-hmm. with the other one being against Daniel Bryan right before WrestleMania in San Francisco. Yep. So I think he's shown his value to the company. I think he's done whatever's been asked of him. I think he sells merchandise. I think the crowd's into him. And I think that's the biggest reason why he is... He's going to end up with a world championship, be it on Raw or SmackDown, probably by the end of this year. It wouldn't surprise me if he's the first SmackDown champion. He's and, almost forced his way to do that. Yep. You know, you, you think back to, you know, talking about Jericho. When Jericho debuted with the WWE, they were counting down the millennium. Um, and I remember, I, I, I remember watching that Raw, the rock in the ring, cutting the promo. And next thing you know, the, the countdown goes over the Titan Tron. The pop that Chris Jericho got back then was the pop that AJ got at the Royal Rumble in Orlando. And I remember sitting in my boy's kitchen watching that that Royal Rumble. Again, what you love about wrestling is the unknown. Roman's, you know, throwing out people left and right. And next thing you know, here comes AJ. And we've been hearing about AJ being signed. And then from that point to now, the quality of matches that he's put on, you almost have to make him a champion. Because at this point, the Intercontinental title is not is in a good place with The Miz. The, the Miz is fine. The U.S. title, I'm glad they put it on Rusev's shoulder because I think Rusev is a, 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 a great talent. At this point, with the brand split coming up, it's almost like if you really want to elevate SmackDown as a live show on Tuesdays, where you could potentially get three to four consecutive days of wrestling between a pay-per-view and NXT. AJ and Cena in that world title angle on SmackDown will make SmackDown must-watch TV. Because I thought, I thought Cena's match with AJ was a little rusty. It was Cena's first you know, real match in a while. But having Cena now going forward in that championship angle, to me, is the way that they have to go. Especially with how... AJ has elevated the club. When they did that split where the club was going to go one way, AJ was going to go the other, I'm like, the club is going to lose all momentum. And then AJ turns. Not only does he turn, he turns on Cena. And the crowd loves it. You can't not make him the champion. If you're going to force feed Roman Reigns as a champion, you almost have to reward AJ for what he's done in such a short amount of time. So I think... I think what John Cena is, unless something has changed, but I think John Cena is going to be the Undertaker of SmackDown. Okay. When they did the original brand split, they put the Undertaker on SmackDown to add a star stability. Remember, Hulk Hogan was on SmackDown, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. So I think if they really invest, they're fine. Yeah. They're, they'll probably do similar numbers uh, that they've been doing. It'll probably go up a tick. Uh, Smack, but, will SmackDown still be two hours? SmackDown will be two hours. Okay. Taz actually said it in a in a Sports Illustrated article with uh, Justin Barrasso. Okay. Uh, that if he were running WWE, he would do an hour of NXT, eight to nine on Monday, two hours of Raw, nine to eleven, and then SmackDown eight to ten. 
Okay. And that would balance out the shows, and it would put NXT on a network as a lead-in as kind of the the quote-unquote minor leagues. Yeah. Nobody who watches NXT thinks it's minor leagues or no. a developmental system. No. They, they love it. Yeah. Or, that's my understanding is that they love it. And you're giving these people, like, exposure on TV, not just your network. Yeah. And maybe you can do something where... Uh, you give them extra stuff on the network or just run it Wednesday anyway. Yeah. And maybe the Wednesday show is on tape delay to Monday. I, I don't know how. That's for somebody else way smarter than me. But I thought it was a brilliant idea by Taz. Yeah. And that way it's an even playing field, two hours each show plus an hour of NXT. It made so much sense. Taz is way smarter than me. Taz quietly, you know, runs a great podcast, has is a great wrestling mind. Um, wish he would still be involved with the WWE because I remember him leaving ECW, um, debuting against Kurt Angle. That was a big deal. That was a really big deal. and um, It meant something. Yeah. It meant something. Yeah, it's, that was the face of ECW going to the big time. You and know? The thing about it, too, is that that, that crowd In knew. New York. Yep, yep, yep they yep, knew. Yep. They knew. Um the brand split creates so many opportunities for so many different directions. Who do you think is the next superstar that's going to take that leap, so to speak? I wanted. I, I, we spoke about Kevin Owens. We, yeah, we, that's we, the guy. We, that's we, the guy. We said that you know he doesn't need a title to be relevant. I'm I'm hoping that you know this last match with Sami Zayn, he comes out victorious. Sami can pursue the U.S. or the Intercontinental title. I think Kevin Owens is is such a good he he's he's the perfect heel that everyone loves. His in-ring work is amazing. For a guy his size to be doing that cradle suplex off the top rope to be doing a a perfectly executed frog splash. You know, his work with Cena was great. I wouldn't mind if all of a sudden KO was taking that leap on Raw or on SmackDown uh, because I think he's got the microphone capabilities to to carry someone like Roman if that were the case or to be the, the lead face of SmackDown. That's personally who I want to see. Who do you see as the, you know, if, it's, if it is Kevin Owens? Is it who I think or who I want? Both, both. I, I see, I see everything that you're saying with Kevin Owens and it to me, it's interesting. It's like a year later, and they just figured out, yeah, Kevin Owens is pretty good with a microphone in his hand. <laughs> like, he's, he's, he's safe, but he does, he draws. Yeah. He draws. So, Kevin Owens would be the guy that I think that they should. He, he, he's probably already there. Yeah. He probably already is. I, I think Kevin Owens is probably a guy who doesn't need a championship right now. Same in the way of a Bray Wyatt, who I think would be helped with a championship but doesn't need it yeah they're both guys who are who are right there and over uh i love cesaro love cesaro and he's a guy who i thought when when he was to come back from injury they put him with stephanie triple h they put him with somebody and he's like this silent assassin yeah the james bond look that helps him. Yeah. I think it's a good look. It gives him a little bit more personality. The fact that he, they let him talk to. Yeah. There, there's something about guys like Steen, uh, Owens. Yeah. Guardian slip. That, 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 that's the mark, right? That's the mark. <laughs> uh, Cesaro, people like that, they all have 
they have backgrounds of yeah. Daniel Bryan. They have CM Punk. They have backgrounds of getting over a lot of different places in the world. Yeah. And I think that that helps. So as far as like that, that's kind of the group that I think that has to be the next group. It has to be. Yeah. As far as who I want to, I want to see Nakamura. I want to see Nakamura make the big jump and get over with the U.S. audience. Yeah. On a major level. Yeah. That's the guy. He's a big deal. When they 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 showed this during their breaking ground from Dallas, Triple H is on the headset, the producer's headset, and they're chanting "Holy bleep" at Nakamura during the entrance. Wow. And Triple H said something to the effect of, you can't be more over than that. Yeah. When a crowd is chanting, holy bleep, at your entrance. Yeah. There's something there. Yeah. There's something there. And my hope is that that translates to a main roster and it gets the appreciation. If they're, if they're smart, they put Nakamura, AJ, and the club all on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. And they make it so that Nak- they build Nakamura to getting the Intercontinental Championship or the SmackDown World Championship, and that's what they do. Because he had his entrance in Dallas, had a great match with Sami Zayn, and is in tag matches and squash, match- squash matches is a little strong because mm. he had that great match with Austin Aries. Yeah. But the idea is that you're building him along slowly, and I think what they're going to do at NXT Brooklyn is Samoa Joe versus Nakamura. Wow. Which I'm looking at going to yeah. and just making the however long it is from Boston to Brooklyn, just making that drive because that's something that I want to be a part of. I'm losing my voice here, sorry. Uh-huh. Uh, so Nakamura has that it factor, and uh-huh. I think what they have to do is they have to convince Vince McMahon that he has that it factor and that he can do all this stuff and draw money for his company as the big international star. One thing that I'm noticing about Nakamura's work is he's not doing as much because he doesn't need to do as much because he's yeah. already got the crowd with him. So he, he'll step feet, it up in big matches, but he's generally feet, speaking, he's being smart. He's I think th- he's like 35-0 and 0 in yeah. NXT. It's something like that. He's very theatrical, where a lot of his, his work, I look at it as playing the crowd, playing his opponent, but actually as an in-ring tactician, like like you said, yeah, he, he doesn't do much. He had a great match with Sami Zayn at TakeOver. Um, and it's not because he can't. Yeah. It's because he's figured out, eh, I don't need to. Yeah. yeah I don't need to. And yeah. that that's the mark of a smart wrestler because he's wrestling different with NXT than he did in New Japan. Yep. If you watch his matches with uh, the Rainmaker or with AJ or... Brock. Uh, yeah. Like Nakamura is just great, and he got to work. He got to work in Japan with Kevin Owens, and this this is Kevin Owens again being an awesome villain. Yeah, Nak- Nakamura is doing his intro, and he does the thing with the rope where he bends back. Kevin Owens attacks him. Yep, yep, and then does it his own. Yeah, like simple stuff. Yeah, yeah, simple yeah. stuff. And he worked with Nakamura, I believe, in Ring of Honor. Yep. So they at least know each other well enough where they're okay with that. It's something that the WWE Network should have done was broadcast this stuff. Yeah. If you're doing a super show in Japan, yeah, put it on the network. Please. There's no reason why you can't. Yeah. Even if it's on a little handheld. Yeah. You know, or put a hard camera. They had a they had a hard camera in Boston. Mm-hmm. Do that. Do a one shot. It's okay. 
You don't have to produce everything up. Just the hardcores want to watch Nakamura versus Jericho or Nakamura versus Owens. So you said that someone like Bray Wyatt doesn't need a title to, to, you know, to be relevant. Yeah, there are characters like Jake Roberts never needed a championship. Yep, yep. Ted DiBiase never needed a championship because yep. they just they they had something that. So the way that's always been explained to me is championships are either rewards, or they're this person needs it because it it helps their character. Yeah, it helps whatever it is. Ric Flair was really the champion for ten years. Mm-hmm. He only didn't have that title for, I think it mapped out to like 364 days wow. during a 10-year stretch. Wow. That's insane when yeah. you think about like wrestling and its dynamic now, yeah. to have somebody on top for that long. But Ric Flair was a guy who more than not needed a championship to draw more money. Yeah. Ric Flair as a standalone would draw money anywhere. But him having the championship and being such a, such a good villain character of, escaping with it it's there are similarities and i'm not saying they're the same there are similarities between him and the miz okay the miz belongs in that spot yeah adding maurice amplifies his character but if he's not a snake getting out of these matches without the intercontinental championship it's not as good as it could be yeah but the miz every night is very beatable yeah very beatable I got to say, when it comes to, uh, you know, the Wyatt family return, I voiced it on Twitter. I was upset at at how they handled it because I think the Wyatt family is, the Wyatts are one of my favorite factions. Bray Wyatt's one of my favorite wrestlers. But I think if you think back to when uh, Bray Wyatt interfered with Roman Reigns in that Money in the Bank match. The mystique about it was the screen effect, the arena goes black, and here's Bray Wyatt in the middle of the ring. If the if they're gonna if they're gonna make that return, I thought they should have done it with them interfering, especially with the New Day, given how over the Wyatts are. Are we at a point with the New Day where it's okay for them to lose the belts given how over they are? So I would say I, if, hmm, that's a good question. I think that the, the titles help New Day. Okay. I think that, I, yeah, I think the titles help New Day. Okay. Unless you get this steamroll momentum from another team that is deserving of them being taken because the entrance you know get ready for your two-time world yeah, champion yeah, yeah, yeah. feel the power like it just it works yeah it just works and so yeah they'd modify it because they can they can modify it because they're that talented they really worked at this uh, i would keep i would keep it on them for a little while longer unless you're going with an all-out the wyatt family now has the intercontinental and the tag team or the the world and the tag team unless you're going that way where they're super stable and they just they own everything i would i would probably keep it on i would keep it on new day okay i would they're selling so much merchandise and the tag champs and they're good for kids and they they we were talking earlier about vince mcmahon having these check boxes Mm -hmm. and aj i think to their surprise checked all these boxes yeah 
New Day sold the most merchandise out of any one WrestleMania weekend. Wow. Number one. Wow. Booty O boxes. <laughs> Number one. The color scheme, everything that they do is for kids. A friend of mine has a booty O box. And, I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> and the bootios. Because it works on both levels. Yeah, my kids walk CM around talking about booty and stuff like because of the new day. Yep, they're they're cool, and they have the color scheme that stands out, and they're just they're. If Vince McMahon could create a world champion, the new day would be <laughs> his prototypical new, new champion. You talked about NXT earlier. Joey Styles um, tweeted that that. NXT is the new ECW with their cult-like following, minus the unnecessary bloodshed. Do you look at... We, we both agree that NXT is not the minor leagues. Correct. I look at, at you know weekly programming. I, like, look I don't at, think Ring of Honor is the minor leagues. I don't think TNA is minor leagues. Yeah. Uh, pro wrestling is pro wrestling, and whether you have an outlet for it or... I, I've gone to indie shows, and they're great indie shows. Chaotic is here. Mm. Chaotic is a great local wrestling show. Uh, New England uh, Championship Wrestling is a good uh, local wrestling show. Uh, Northeast Wrestling is a good, is an outstanding wrestling show. I'm going to a show in Pittsfield, which if you don't know where Pittsfield is, it's okay. Yeah. But they're doing a show uh, August 26th, I think it is. Cody Rhodes against Miracle Mike Bennett. Wow. I'm making the trip for that one. Yep, yep. Uh, they're doing a show at Pawtucket, uh, big time pro wrestling. They're going to have Sting there. Oh, wow. And Sting's not wrestling, but yeah. he's going to make an appearance. And, you know, Eddie Edwards is going to wrestle. Nice. Um, you know, so there's local wrestling that's really good and shouldn't be considered minor leagues. Nope. So I don't. Is ECW and NXT similar? Yes. They have similarities. They have the fan bases, sim- the hardcores, yeah, the really, really hardcores. That's that's what you're getting with that with that group. And there's enough people who like that style of pro wrestling. Who, you know, like I like Ring of Honor. I I like good wrestling. Yeah, that's what I like. Yeah, I will not watch bad wrestling. Yeah. So there's no, to me, there's no minor leagues or major leagues. The perception is, and and it's probably true amongst people, is that if you don't make it in WWF, you've never made it. No. But you can have you can have good careers, the star of WCW. Yeah. You can have good careers being the star of ECW. Look at Jay Lethal. Yeah, Jay Lethal's awesome. Yeah. Jay Lethal's awesome. Yeah. So, I I see where I see where Joey's coming from. I get it. I think he needed blood in that era. Yeah. <laughs> to be different. Yeah. Uh, but I, I obviously looking back, that was. Let's see, they closed doors 2000, you know, 15 years ago, yeah. 15, 16 years ago, 20 years ago, really, when it was booming. And the idea was you needed to do something really different to get noticed, and you had to be really great at it. Yeah. And I think that's what happened with NXT. With NXT, I went to Lowell Auditorium. I missed that show. I was so angry. I know. I was so angry. I went, I went to that show, and it's a house show. It's in this auditorium. And I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be a good time, but, you know, am I going to see anything monumental here? No. Samoa Joe beats Finn Balor for the title. It was awesome. 
And I, I lost my mind. Absolutely lost my mind. When it comes to NXT, who do you see as that next call-up? Because, you know, Kevin Owens came up and he made an impact going against Cena. Sami Zayn, they teased it when, when he accepted John Cena's open challenge that he came in to naturally feud with Kevin Owens. At this point, I don't know when Finn Balor is going to come up because he looked like the next logical one to get promoted. But he's recently lost his belt to Samoa Joe. He lost the rematch against Samoa Joe and then also recently lost to, uh, to Nakamura. Are they hurting him with those losses with his potential call-up coming up soon? No. No? Okay. No, and here's why. Uh, thinking about it a lot deeper, last year they had Kevin Owens doing both shows. Mm -hmm. He was the NXT champion. He was doing the thing with Cena. He lost the NXT championship to Finn Balor. He was losing on... NXT television, and he was still doing prominent things in the WWF. SummerSlam weekend, he lost to Balor in a ladder match, and he lost to, uh, I think he lost to Cena. Or if it wasn't Cena, it was Cesaro. It, he had a rough, I, I probably have that wrong, but I think like in the span that Kevin Owens was doing both shows, yeah. he had a lot of losses there. Yeah. But I think Kevin Owens is such a good talent that wins and losses don't matter to him. Yeah. Because he's just, he's so, like, The Rock was, like, the most losing WWE champion in history. or Some goofy number that probably nobody cares about. Yeah. So, you go back to the other thing that was happening in NXT, which was Charlotte loses the NXT Women's Championship to Sasha. Mm Mm-hmm. That happened February, March, April, somewhere in that time frame. Charlotte, meanwhile, is kind of like, I don't want to say middling around in NXT until she gets called up, but she's not a, I, I didn't think she was a focal point in the NXT women's division after she lost the title to Sasha. She didn't get called up until like September. Yeah. Didn't hurt her. No. So I think how they run NXT is closer to how they ran the old territories in the 80s. Okay where you give notice and once they're ready to call you up, you're going to lose to this person. You'll get a win over this person. You'll have a great match, but lose here. And I think that's what they kind of do. And furthermore, WrestleMania weekend is a shorter example to that point. God, my mind just went blank. You can edit that out, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, who's the big guy? Oh, I can't think of it. NXT? Battle, Battle Royal winner. Baron Corbin. So, Baron Corbin loses to Austin Aries. Yep. That's his last night with that promotion. Mm-hmm. That's something that they would do in the territories. Another example. You know, Austin Aries, the new guy coming in. Baron Corbin the old veteran going on to bigger things. And we didn't know he was winning the battle royal. Nobody, yeah. they throw in. Like, yeah. I don't think the announcers even noticed him until, yeah. until the end. He walked in with that big group. Yeah. yeah. He walked in with the group, walks out with the trophy. Yeah. And, and now he's on Raw every night. And I love Baron Corbin. Yeah, he's good. He's got that look. He's got yeah. that size. He's got that intangible thing. Yeah. He, win, he wins the battle royal. Uh, Sami Zayn was crossing over between both brands. 
loses to Nakamura on the way out. Yeah, yeah. Great match. Sammy's now on the roster. So it's the territory thing is is the greater point there. And what, what's that's the kind of four examples. The Almantra is that you go out on your back. Right. right. I heard that from Terry Funk. You know, yep. you go out on your back. And there are some exceptions to it. Yeah. Um, you know, Ric Flair went out on his back, but, you know, Terry Funk was supposed to go out on his back to however many times he retired yeah, yeah, and yeah, came yeah. back. And I think it's it, it's not a bad way to do business unless there's some tie-in. Like, uh, Lance Storm's last WWE match was an ECW show where he stole victory over Jericho. Mm. Like, that's that's sneaky good. Yeah. That's sneaky good. When does Samoa Joe come up? Or is he destined to be, like, the face of NXT? Tell me what happens when he fights Nakamura. Okay. That's if he fights Nakamura at NXT Brooklyn, my guess is he loses the title to Nakamura. And they feud. They do a rematch. They do a second rematch. And then he hits the main roster. It could be, too, that they don't see him as a main roster guy. Yeah. Which I think is not the right decision. But I think Joe's up there in age. Yeah, okay. And the last time I saw Joe live was at a Lowell Spinner's uh, it was at Lowell Spinner's Ballpark. I think it was Northeast Championship Wrestling. And he's good in the ring. I think he had two knee braces. Mm. But I, I like Joe. I love Joe. I saw him win the title at the Lowell Memorial. Uh, not the not the auditorium. Um, what's the ice hockey rink? I can't think of the ice hockey. I saw him win the TNA title okay. against Kurt Angle. Wow. Uh, I watched him wrestle in Ring of Honor. Yeah. I saw one of his early great, like, Great, like, what do I know moment. Yeah. Joe wins a four corners match at an armory in Cambridge for Ring of Honor. And I go, what do they see in this guy? Yeah. And I watched more tape of him and I go, I got it. Yeah. He's believable. Yeah, he's good. He is so good in that ring. He cuts a good promo and he's strong style. He's He just looks so good in the ring and yeah. he can do anything. Yeah. He can do anything. If, I don't know if he can, but I bet if they asked him to do a moonsault, he could do it. Yeah. And land it, stick it, look good. That, but, ma- that, that match against Finn Balor at, in, at the Lowell Auditorium, it, it just blew my mind how, how clean and how, yeah. how good he is. He's um, got a fluidity to him. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and especially for a big guy. You yeah. Know, for, you know, it, That's it, what annoyed me the most about not being able to make that show yeah. was I, I've loved Joe for a long time. And seeing him win the TNA title at that show and hearing about him, I think it was you who tweeted me first. I, I, I tweeted you the video. And I was like, holy, you know, <laughs> I miss this. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes sometimes other things get in the way of doing things. Oh, of course. I, I, I would love to, uh, you know, do nothing but go to NXT shows and Red Sox games all day, but... It's life. Yeah, I, th- this is my summer of wrestling shows where yeah. I went to the one last week. I'm going to uh, Raw in Rhode Island. Nice. I'm not going to be able to make the draft in Worcester. Uh, I'm going to a show at McCoy Stadium for nice. big-time wrestling. Uh, I'm going to Pittsfield, Mass. for North uh, New England Championship. Um, no, Northeast Wrestling. I got to get that one right. <laughs> Northeast Wrestling. Uh, Pittsfield, their minor league ballpark. I want to go to Brooklyn for NXT to see Joe and Nakamura. Uh, there's only so much time 
that I can that I can invest into going to pro wrestling events and eventually either my time runs out or my bank account runs out <laughs> or I get evil looks from family members. Yeah. So, we're going to do a lightning round real quick. All right, I love the lightning round. Do we do we have to pay Holly royalties for it? <laughs> I if the if this I'll say I'll say this one thing before we get to this. If there is a nicer person and a better person in radio than Michael Holly, I haven't met him. Me and Holly have had difference of opinions when I've called into into their shows a few times, and he's he's uh he's been quick to cut me off, and I always appreciate someone more when we disagree than when we yeah, agree. You know totally. what I mean? And and the topics that me and him disagreed on were were heavy topics. It was you know the Aaron Hernandez situation. Yeah. Um, it was uh, you know one thing with Jacoby Ellsbury, but um, you know I, I've always appreciated uh Michael Holly. Uh, think he's a great you know great radio personality um he's a great person he is a great person that's that's one of the things like that i miss is working with mike holly every day yeah it's 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 unfortunate the transition that that station has gone into because i think it's it's affected him as far as as where his his talent can be because i think he's he's amazingly talented amazingly knowledgeable but um i i absolutely uh am a fan of his so I'm gonna steal his lightning round. Okay. Do you have the buzzer sound? Do you have the sound effect? The I don't. Sound effect? Okay. I don't. <laughs> I won't try to imitate it. But fire away. You're an avid, avid, avid Red Sox fan. Yep. When does Farrell go? Because I don't think it's a point of if now. When does he go? So if he has a good home stand and makes it through the All Star break, he's here the rest of the season. Ugh. Right. If Ugh. he has a bad home, like they almost kicked it away last night. Yeah. And I think if he has a losing homestand, he's probably gone. Okay. But I think if he has a winning homestand, he's here the rest of the season. Okay. I just, I don't, once you get past the all-star break, something catastrophic has to happen for him to get the boot. There were three fireable offenses last year. Yeah. And they, ha- and they hung on to him. Yeah. He's had more this year. And I, I want to be clear because there there's some people who say, oh, well, John, you have a personal agenda against John Farrell. John Farrell and every experience that I've ever been around him has been nothing but nice to me. Yeah. Nothing but nice. Uh, I think this probably coincides with the fact that I'm not at Fenway. The last time I was at Fenway as a member of the media was when they won the World Series in 13. Okay. Uh, there are a number of different reasons that I don't have four hours or six hours or however long it would take to get into why I haven't been there in the past. But maybe that's an off-air discussion more than anything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I haven't been there. Um, I had some questions that uh, I emailed to him, and he never answered, which yeah. is fine. Yeah. Um, but I was critical of him during the World Series because I thought he – he sent Brandon. The most notable one is Workman yeah. hitting for himself in St. Louis. Yeah. That's the most notable one. Yeah. But I think what happened was there weren't enough Red Sox people. There weren't enough fans who were what This isn't the lightning round at all. There weren't enough <laughs> Red Sox fans who were invested in that 2013 season to, like, watch him day in and day out. Yeah. And notice, like, these little things that they're not going to. So, essentially, what happened in 14 was they came out of the they, – they did not – look good in spring training no they they looked messy they they didn't look like they were focused no 
So then it's like, okay, we'll, we'll pay a little bit more attention. And people did. Yeah. Because they were coming off a World Series championship. So yeah. you're invested in the team. And people started noticing things that I was noticing. And You mean like when he, uh, when, when he pitches to Nelson Cruz? With first base open. And that was last year. And, and brings in a reliever to pitch to Nelson Cruz yep. with a lefty behind Nelson Cruz yep. with a lefty on the mound. Yep. <laughs> and, I think, and I think one of the things that we as fans, we're watching. We, we of course, have 2020. We're not living in the dugout in the moment. Yep. But so many people now are just are, – we're looking for some situation. Yep. And we're thinking like the Red Sox manager. And that's always how I've, how I've managed People forget, and uh, I would never admit this on the Felger and Maz show, but <laughs> Francona had a rough first year here. Yeah, He was trying to figure it out, and there are moves that I could go back to. I choose not to because yeah. it doesn't fit my agenda yeah. that I could nitpick and second <laughs> guess. But Farrell had a, had a good first year that nobody was watching, and then they won the World Series. And 14, it's like, oh, he did that wrong. He did that wrong. He did that wrong. 15, ooh, that's a bad one. Yeah. Oh, what are you thinking there? So now we think we know more than Farrell. Yeah. And maybe maybe we actually do know more than Farrell. I can't believe that. I can't believe. I, I should say I don't want to believe that yeah. me sitting at home has better thought process than the guy who's in the dugout. Yeah. But I think more and more people are feeling that way. Yeah. And then you have a situation where Cafardo writes in the globe, covers the team, BBWAA member 57, I don't know what his number is, is writing, Lavello does everything. Mm. Lavello does all the prep work. Yep. Farrell's, you know, and I interpret that as Farrell does the media stuff. He does the in-game decisions, lineup card, who's coming in, who's coming out. And Lavello does have the manager's ear but he's not making the final decision. Yep. You're employed by person X. You can go to them and suggest things, but ultimately it's their decision. Yeah. Does it, it does, does this team turn around with Lavello? Oh yeah. If 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 they if they turn the keys of the car over to him, or I should say it like this: if they turn the keys over to somebody not named John Farrell, they're in the playoffs. No. Yeah. There, there's something. There's something. And again, this is an off-air story because I don't want to get sued. I don't think I'd get sued, but I'd rather keep yeah. it. There's something in that clubhouse that there's a, I don't, want, I don't know, if lack of respect. I, there's, there's some disconnect yeah. between the clubhouse and the field manager. Well, the Justin Moran situation didn't help. I don't think it helped, and I think that's been a little bit longer than may have been put in the paper. Yeah. Um, I don't think that gets me sued either. <laughs> How do we fix this team for this year? We have no starting pitching. We have no bench. And we have a shaky bullpen. The fix is you need a bullpen arm. The fix is you need Fernandez, Sales, Sonny Gray. The fix is you need, you need to balance off getting something for now and something long-term. Yep. That's how you fix it. You make an impact. You make an impact trade. And, yes, I would trade Benatendi. I would trade Mancata. I would trade Bradley. I, you know, if you're telling me it's Jose Fernandez, Chris Sale, yeah, I'll swap you Mookie bets. Okay. 
I would do that. Wow. I don't want to do that. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, if you can get that game-changing pitcher, yeah. that's the price of doing business. So do you do do you do bets Benintendi and player X for Chris Sale? Yes. Wow. Okay. You can have bets, you can have Mancata, you can have Benintendi. Wow. That's all you're getting. Yeah. But yeah, I do that for Chris Sale. Wow. And and I love Mookie Betts as the leadoff guy for this team. He plays a good right field, but when it comes down to it, who would I rather have on my major league roster? Chris Sale, ultimate competitor, like grinds it out, complete games, strikeouts, is upset if he gives up a hit. Thing, things that made Randy Johnson great. Yeah. At 27, good contract. Bring me Chris Sale. Chris Sale comes here, I think he becomes your ace. I he think, is your ace. Yeah. He is your ace. And yeah. then David Price is your number two. And, and you got a good one, too. W- one of the problems, though, is that you have two left-handed starters in a predominantly right-handed division. Yep. And I think that was something that was kind of underplayed during the offseason, yep. is you, you have more right-handed bats. You have more right-handed competition than you do left-handed. Okay. I think. Yeah. I'm probably wrong, and somebody will tweet at me and correct me. <laughs> I am James Stewart. <laughs> From this point through the offseason – where do you see the Sox going, and what's their off-season plan of attack? Their off-season plan of attack is notwithstanding them getting something, getting something, get it, getting something in season. Mm-hmm. So if they get Sale, Fernandez, Sonny Gray, one of those names that we've talked about, then yeah, the off-season becomes irrelevant. Yeah. The off-season becomes getting a left fielder. The off-season becomes getting a third baseman. The off-season mm-hmm. is doing things like that. But if they don't make some if they don't do something in season then the off season is the focus. And the off season is getting a new manager. The off season is getting a new manager. Uh, I mean if they make the playoffs this year, you lose your bench coach. Yeah. You don't lose your manager. Yeah. Uh, if they don't make the playoffs, you lose depending on what happens in season, you probably lose both. Wow. Um, I mean, if Lovello, if if Tori Lovello brings this team to the postseason, he's your guy. Yeah, he's your guy for next year, and you go from there. But I think, I think the off season, and this horrible cop out answer, but if you get your ace in season, your off season is left field. Yeah. If you don't get any of those pieces, your off season is getting your David Price, your Kimbrel, your Chris Young. Okay. And that's that's it. Well, Jimmy, the fans can reach you at I am James Stewart on Twitter. Yep, I have open DMs, so if you want to be rude to me and cuss at me, you can just slide it right in there. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time, man. Elliot, uh, it's my pleasure. It's it's actually my pleasure to actually meet you. I know. I, I, because we we've, we've talked a lot through Twitter and when we've called yep. up uh, Celtics at 7 with Kaufman and uh it's a pleasure to you know, one, be invited on your podcast, but two, to actually, like, meet you and have, like, an in-person discussion. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. If you don't know, I am the co-captain of the Celtics of Seven ship. It's, it's, a, it's, a, 
you know, 7 a.m. on a Saturday is not always easy, but, you know, Coffin puts on a great show. You always produce a great show. So I, I always thank you guys for giving me the, the couple seconds you guys give me to, to make my point on a team that I actually am a diehard fan of, um, you know, for you to, to produce, you know, the number one show in Boston and take the time to sit down with me. It's, it's an honor to me. So thank you. Um, I look forward to us doing this again in the future. Hopefully uh, by the time this hits the airwaves, uh, it won't be Wojo reporting that you know Durant's meeting with the Spurs has ended. Hopefully Durant will be a Celtic, and uh, you know Horford is with the Celtics and not just emerging as a favorite to sign with the Celtics. That's my hope. That, 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 that's, that's my hope that the words that we just spoke never make it to air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you have to do a drop-in edit of. You know, since this podcast was recorded, Al Horford and Kevin Durant are now members of the Celtics. Uh, you, you, That's my hope. You, you don't know the the little tingle that I just felt. What, what does Matt say? A little Kevin Durant in my pants? Yeah, something <laughs> along those lines. It's it's a raging Durant or you know, a raging Horford, whatever it is that you want to kind of fill in the blank there. Yeah. Uh, I would suggest, to quote Maz, keep it in your pants, please. <laughs> well, Jimmy, uh, thank you again. If you want to reach James Stewart, it's I am James Stewart on Twitter. If you want to reach me, it's Elliot from BOS, Elliot from Boston on Instagram, Elliot from BOS on Snapchat. Any way you want to hit me up, go to the Facebook page, Elliot from Boston. You can subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. It's the EFB Podcast. <laughs>